Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie Updown. So happy to be here with you. Happy August. Today, we are real excited. As football season approaches, it's time to get a football player on here. Not any football player. A National Football League football player. A professional football player. Also, a Georgia Bulldog. You guys, it's all my dreams coming true. Today on the show, Benjamin Watson is here. He's one of the best Bulldogs to come through our school. We were at Georgia together at the same time. He doesn't remember it near as well as I do, but we were both at Georgia together and just wanted him to come on and talk to you a little bit about the NFL as the season's getting ready to kick off. Talk about his life and his family. And I think you're just going to love this conversation. And actually, you may have heard his name in the news recently as he got re-signed to the New England Patriots, but was suspended for the first four games. He's going to talk about all that. So I think you, um, if you didn't already know and love Benjamin Watson, today is the day. So here's one of my favorite NFL players, one of my favorite Georgia Bulldogs, husband to one, father to seven. Y'all just get ready. Here is Benjamin Watson. Uh, you were putting the twins down. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just, man. Talk about <laughs> it. Like... Just go, by the way, just go talking about twins. Cause I saw you on Instagram the other day be like, I've never been dominated like this. No, it's like, they're just, you know, it's it's not double. It's I don't even know. It's exponential because they <laughs> they're not predictable. So you know, one is one is not predictable. But you you know, once you get one down, you feel a sense of accomplishment that you 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 fed the one child and they're asleep. But when there's two of them, you could do that, and then one of them would just feel like he doesn't really want to go to sleep right now. And the right. longer he waits, the more the hourglass, the sand in the hourglass is coming <laughs> out because you know the other one's going to wake up pretty soon. Then right, right. So, and y'all already have how many before that? Four. Uh, five. So the twins are six and seven. Yeah, the six and seven right here. Oh my word! Yes, and so tell the tell me the age going down from the oldest now. Then, um, okay, so uh, the oldest is ten year old girl Grace, um, nine year old girl Naomi, Isaiah, and Judah are seven and six. Eden is three girl, and then Asher and Levi are eight. Nine weeks old. Nine weeks old. Nine weeks old, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I would think, I mean, is Grace helpful? I mean, I bet having a 10-year-old, I bet she thinks it's awesome. Yeah, she she is. They're both very helpful. Um, Naomi is is, um, angry. The nine-year-old and 10-year-old, they're both very helpful. Naomi is very um, Mm hands-on. Grace is too, but you can kind of see a little difference in their personalities there. Yeah. But... They are put like this. If we would have had the boys first, if we'd had two boys first, like I wanted to have two uh-huh. boys first, we probably wouldn't be a six and seven right now. <laughs> you just uh-huh. you just slowed way down if it had started yes. with twins. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very, very quickly. Like like it would hit the brakes hard. Oh, yeah. I got so tickled at your now I'm still haven't gotten married and don't have kids yet. And so I don't know this life at all, but I have a ton of friends because you and I are the same age. So I have yeah, a ton yeah. of friends who have kids and I I mean the people with twins, it is just it, it dominates you is the only way. I mean, it just it really gets you. It does. I mean I was thinking about people who um who had twins first. Like I know some people who had twins first. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I I don't know if I keep going. Yeah. <laughs> or, like if this was all I knew. Well, yeah. Or, or you could say, you could look at it and be like, well, you know, if you had twins first and you keep going, I mean, nothing is going to stand in your way. I mean, yeah. literally, it, it would be so much. If you had twins first and that's just your paradigm and how yep. you're thinking kids are. And then you, you know, because the first child is difficult anyway. Uh-huh. Um, but if you went straight to twins, it would be it'd be smooth sailing, you know, from then on out. I have a friend from high school who had a girl and then a set of boy girl twins, and then they got pregnant with boy girl twins again. Oh wow! Well, at least they knew what to expect. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They knew what was coming. <laughs> so, so you, yeah, you were at Georgia the same time, right? We were at Georgia uh, the same time. That's right. What, what was your major? I did early childhood education. Okay. Yeah, I was in Athens until two thousand and five. What about you? When did you leave? You were there till um, three or four. I was there uh, until 03. Well, yeah, 03 was my last year. So we, okay. we graduated, me and my wife, we both, we sat, I was finance, she was marketing. So we sat beside each other at graduation from Terry. Oh, my gracious. And uh, yeah, and and then um, that was 2003. So y'all met at Georgia? Yeah, we met at Georgia. So you did the thing that I tried to do 
Benjamin. I tried to meet a spouse in Georgia. Tried, it just didn't you go. Try to get your, your, your MRS degree. Yes, I was in the yeah, wrong like, department. I should have gone where there were more dudes. <laughs> she, she was she was trying not to get hers. Yeah, and then that wasn't even on her really on her radar. I don't think. And then you know your life just never turns out like you think it's supposed to. I that guess is the truth. Hey, were y'all involved in a campus ministry or a church in town? Did you have time to do all that? Yeah, yeah. So we, we met in FCA. Um, oh, okay. Cause she was, yeah, cause she was playing, um, softball okay. um, there and I actually transferred from Duke. I was at Duke my first year and I transferred okay. over and then that's where we met. Tell me why you went to Duke first. Well, I went to Duke. Um, I, I went to high school in South Carolina okay. and, um, you know, Duke wasn't that far from the house. Neither was Georgia, but, mm-hmm. um, Duke, I mean, the, the education there was yeah. something that sold me. And then it was a new coach coming in. Historically, they, they weren't a you know, great in, in football, but mm-hmm. there's a new coach coming in. There was a little bit of excitement. I was one of the first recruits to go. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, decided to go. But then as I was there, I just felt like from an athletic standpoint, I was selling myself short in the things that I wanted to do. Sure. Um, not that you can't, you can definitely go to the NFL. The NFL. It wasn't about the NFL for me. It was really just about, you know, having a chance to play big time college football and, you know, go to bowl games and stuff like that. Were you already a believer after in high school and college? Like, were you involved in the Lord in all these decisions? Yes. Okay. Yes, I definitely was. And you know, when I left, when I left Duke, I looked at Virginia Tech and looked at Georgia. I just liked what they were doing mm-hmm. um, from an athletic standpoint, football standpoint, with their tight ends. I play tight end, so I like what they were doing. Then, of course, Coach Don got fired halfway through, and it totally changed everything. Right. <laughs> but right. I just felt like. I just felt like Georgia was, um, man, I just felt like that was a place for me to go. So. Now, you're technically the first, like, real bulldog we've had on the show, besides myself. I'm on every episode. But oh, yeah. <laughs> besides me, you're the first, like, yeah. Georgia person we've had on. But I have told this story before that you may remember this, but in Coach Rick's first spring, he went around to all the campus ministries and gave his testimony. I was a part of the Wesley Foundation and he gave his testimony and then he asked us to pray for y'all by name for the whole season. Wow. Do you know that story? No, uh uh-uh. Yeah, so ever so I know our ministry did it, but a couple of them did. Like we took the whole roster and each student involved in the ministry had one of y'all's names and we prayed for you every day. Wow. And that cool all cuz of coach Rick. I, I, I you know, he was he was a good coach. He was definitely he emphasized developing the total man young man yeah. uh, mentally physically and spiritually like he you know I, I think that you know when you're younger you're in college you appreciate some of it but not all of it mm-hmm. but then as you get older you look back and say you know that was a lot of those guys you know even if they railed against it a little bit during the time they look back you know fondly on those times I think we sent you a list of some topics I want us to talk about, but we just have to sit on the UGA thing for just a minute because I just want you to tell me about winning the SEC championship in 2002 because it was one of the top days of my life and I didn't even play. <laughs> so that was, was uh, the, you know, that, that was that was that was one of the highlights of my career. You know, people ask me, "What was your favorite football moment?" and and winning that SEC championship in 2002 was. A top moment also because whenever you're able to score a touchdown in the game it's right. even more special <laughs> so, right so that was even better um you know and the fact that we you know as a university we hadn't won it since i don't know 1980 or something when we were born yes literally um, the year yeah, we were born the is we the last born. time that yeah, they won the exactly. national championship so I mean, for I don't even know that we won an SEC since then. Maybe we had someone, but I'm not. I don't think we had. And so for a school that should be in the mix every single year, you know, just because of the state of Georgia and mm-hmm. the coaches and just the university. I mean, you know, that we should be in the mix at least every few years. But it was a long time coming, and it was, it, it was, it was really special for that team. I mean, the only thing about that year that I regret really was that Florida game because. Uh. Honestly, we should have had them beat, and that would have put us in a national championship. Yeah, no, no doubt. You, you know what I mean. And, and the funny thing is, you know, I got drafted and I played in the league with guys who were on that Florida team, and they said, "You know what? Y'all are way better than us." But we knew y'all messed it up somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that Florida game will get us over and over again. Oh my God, golly, I literally kept us out of a national championship. Right. Did, so I guess, yeah, when you were at Georgia, because we didn't go to the national championship till last year, two years ago, yeah, 17, yeah. yeah. Tell me about watching that game, watching Georgia and Alabama. Well, I was on the sideline. 
You were there. Oh, yeah, I was there. I was there. I was on the sideline. Um, you know, it was the game was. Um, I guess it was. In, yeah, it was in January or whatever. And I'm not sure. I guess we were. That was like two years ago. I guess we were done. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think we made. It. Yeah, we didn't make the playoffs that year, and so we were we were done. Because so, you were okay. that with New Orleans at ba- that point. I was in Baltimore. Oh, I think. Baltimore. I was in Baltimore. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, the last three years have been a lot of change. I was in Baltimore at that point, um, and so came down. And I uh, was standing on the sideline the whole game, like with my heart in my throat. Uh-huh. I, I'm the biggest like Georgia fan now. I, you know, I see these people that are fans of different teams. I don't really understand fanaticism. I don't understand people being fans. Yeah. But my wife looks at me. She's like, "Yeah, you do, because you're a Georgia fan." I'm like, "You know, I am. <laughs> I, I really am a Georgia fan." Like I sit, I watch the games. I get like goosebumps when I can hear the bugle playing. Yeah. And, you know all that stuff on TV. And, oh, people you know, just I, don't I, know if they don't know <laughs> about know. the bugle. So I was, I was, I was really sad, but I was, I, I wasn't expecting them to be that good so quickly. Yeah. And so, not that it's any consolation, but I, I wasn't expecting them them to be on, you know, national championship that quick. So I was really happy that they were there and yeah. they deserved to be there and, and definitely should have won. You know, when we look at the game. Oh. Nick Saban pulls a rabbit out of the hat and literally changes quarterbacks. You know. Who does that? Who does that, Benjamin Watson? That is the thing. Who does that? Who does that junk? So then when we lost, I I immediately just turned to the guys, you know, on the team and was just trying to console them and hugging those guys, which which one of those guys is now my teammate, Sonny Michelle. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) you you never know in the NFL how it's going to happen, but I literally remember, you know, hugging them. And, you know, I was just really proud of all of them because – you know, as a as an alumni, as alumni, we watch the games, but you know, we're fans at this yeah. point. We can't play, and so you know, for me, going back and being on the sideline with them is really special because I I watch them on TV. I don't know them, but I watch them, and yeah. I and I I appreciate everything you know that they've been they've done for the university. Are you, when you're on the sidelines, are there other alumni players there with you? Like, are y'all keeping up with each other? And y'all are like, yeah, hey, let's all yeah. go to the game. Yeah, usually, I mean, for a game like that, there was there was. Quite a few, um, but it was a limited number. I mean, you know, it's not mm-hmm. a championship. They can't give out a bunch of tickets, but we had a, you know, strong contingent of guys who were recently out as well as, you know, obviously the the icons like Hines and, yeah. you know, Herschel and um, Davis, Joe Davis, all those mm-hmm. guys, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's, it's always fun, you know, getting back together with, with a lot of those guys that you play with or maybe even guys that you were a fan of yeah. um, growing up. Yeah, that has been, I mean, I've been laughing, telling friends that I was talking to you today because I was like, I mean, I've screamed his name a lot, but I've never spoken to him before. (laughs) I mean, I've cheered for him a ton and he may have heard me from the stands, but this is our first time being friends. Because that's one of the rules of the podcast, Benjamin, is that the only guests I'll have on here are people I'm friends with or people I want to be friends with. It's like one of the rules. Because I don't know how to interview strangers. That's what makes it good. I hope so. That's what makes it good. Yeah, I think that's what makes it a good podcast. Yeah. Um, okay, so since you were at Georgia, you've been in the NFL since then, so for like 15 years, right? Yeah, yeah, th- this will be, it's been 15 years, I got drafted in 2004, and coming up, this will be year 16. Yeah, and you're getting back in, everybody thought you were retired, and you tricked us all, you're jumping back in. I did too, I tricked myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that, 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 wasn't, that wasn't really the plan yeah. uh, at all, and uh, a few a few months went by, and you know, I started doing, you know, started exploring other things, and taking requests and interviews and has had, you know, several offers to do some different things. And I, th- I think maybe around the end of, end of April. So after, you know, free agency had been started, the league year had started it, it kind of the end of April going into May. So I think, you know, maybe let me just see if yeah. there's any, if there's yeah. any interest because it, it, I can't come back to this ever. Yeah. Um, well, once it's done, it's done. But I really felt like, you know, after last year, that was going to be it for me. And we were kind of proceeding with life as such, yeah. uh, trying to figure out where we wanted to live, because we always stay together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't we don't really have a home base. We just kind of you know really your wife and the kids just come to whatever city you're playing. Yeah, well, yeah. We, I mean, wow. that's that's my job. You yeah. know, this is this is my occupation, and so we we move. I mean, we're actually right now as I'm speaking to you. There's boxes everywhere. Oh, the moving company home. will arrive in about um, an hour and a half. <gasps> Um, Benjamin but, Watson, yeah. you should have canceled on me. I cannot <laughs> believe they are coming in an hour and a half. Bless your heart. To, to start the process is usually a three-day process because, again, we have seven kids now, so we have a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a small undertaking, which is, you know, definitely stressful. But we made a commitment early on that, 
you know, whether I played for one team for 10 years or four teams for going on 16 years, yeah. um, we were just going to pack up and move. And so we yeah. never, we never like bought the home base because we knew we were just going to be going from place to place. Yeah. So we all go, you're back with New England. So do you go back to Boston? Is that where you're going? Yeah. Yeah. We're moving back to Boston, um, <laughs> all the way from Louisiana. So another yeah. cross country move. This will be the first, <laughs> this will be the longest move, furthest move yet yeah. out of all of that we've done. We waited till the very last one with the most stuff to have the longest and move. the most people. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The most people we're going to be caravanning across the country in covered wagons. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be moving across the country, you know, in the next couple of weeks, in the next week, really, we'll, yeah. I mean, we'll be there. You know, it takes about a week to get your stuff there. I was reading through your teams you've been with and I just thought I, I wanted to ask you what it feels like. Like what's the God story here that you're back to the Patriots where you started? I don't know. Annie. Um, I, I don't know completely. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's part of it is that we walk by faith a lot of times yeah. and stuff doesn't make sense. And over and over again, I have to check myself or you're able to, change your mind am i changing mind because i want to or because you want mm -hmm. to and all the I, I think about all that stuff um yeah. and, and i i try to pray specifically okay if this is what you want me to do then check 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 please let these things happen yeah kind of like putting the fleece out over and over sure. again <laughs> like one right. more time lord let right. me just make sure right but i i think that oh the overarching god story of all of our lives is being um obedient and and trusting him when things don't make sense and yeah. it's always being being keenly aware of our opportunities to spread the gospel in different contexts to different people in different ways um and and that changes from time to time mm -hmm. place to place i think that we're always on mission we always have a specific sphere of influence that we can speak to first of all it obviously starts in our home and then it permeates outside of that but then there's some things that we won't understand until years down the line. Right. Or maybe someone comes up to you and says, man, you were in this place at that time and you spoke this word to me and man, it changed my life. And that was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. We never know. Um, but what we do know is that we serve a, a sovereign God who is in control of everything, uh, no, no matter what the predicament is or, or the failure or the success. So I don't know. I, I think that it has created an opportunity for us to teach our kids uh, about loss and about gain i mean moving from place to place and 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 um you know tearing up relationships that are starting to form is yeah. tough uh that's something that we think about a lot for ourselves but also for our children as they get older about trying to find that place just to settle down yeah. but then on the flip side we understand that this isn't our home anyway mm, right. <laughs> and, and, that. and and it's and, and we are we are literally passing through we are passing we are passing through I'm sitting here with seven children talking to somebody that I was in college with and right. how fast has that time passed right. before we are not going to be here at all. Yeah. And that's just the, the fact of the matter. So there's a, there's a lot of layers to it, um, <laughs> but we're, we're working through it. Yeah, I'd love for you to talk more about that because so many of our friends listening have moved before or are planning to move or have these big adjustments that not only are they managing their own experience, but they've got children that they have to teach about this. So when this opportunity came up, how did you tell Grace and Ian, like, how do you tell these, your, and even your boys who have friends and have a life that, that God's opened up a door for something new? Well, I, you know, we, we, kept, we try to make these decisions as a family. And that's something that I wasn't good at the last time mm -hmm. uh, I was a free agent, honestly. Um, you know, each time has been different. Sometimes the call comes quickly. Sometimes like this time I was, you know, retired. And then, you know, we decided to, you know, make a decision and move forward. But in other times when I definitely wanted to play, you know, when free agency started, I may get a call the first day or maybe it'll take a little while and it'll happen really quickly. So the communication part is big, especially not specifically with the children, but with Kirsten, with my wife. Mm -hmm. And last time I, I kind of made a decision. We're going coming back down here. And although she was happy to return and, you know, to this place, cause we, we love it here. Yeah. I didn't like tell her in enough time. I just kind of like walked in and said, Hey, we're going. And she gave me that look like we didn't talk about this. At all. <laughs> You're like, she's and like, so, you may be going Benjamin, but exa exactly. <laughs> and that was not good. And so this time, what was great is that we've been communicating, um, both of us, but also, you know, with the children, mm. what do you think about me playing again? Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's, it's probably not going to be here because of course they want to stay here and I love to stay here too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's business and, and, and teams have other prerogatives, you know, all over the league, um, New Orleans being no different. So telling them they're probably not going to be here. And, and we kind of came here this year expecting it to be my last year playing and knowing that we probably wouldn't be living here. You know, yeah. our family, our family is in, you know, South Carolina, Georgia. So we thought we may be moving back up that way somewhere. Right. So we we're kind of prepared for it, but, you know, the, the idea of, of playing again. And then this year, you know, there's other caveats. I'm not going to play for the first four games. I've been suspended for the first four games. And so knowing that and then still, you know, telling teams, okay, I, I'm going to play. And then telling the kids, the children, what exactly what happened and how it happened, yeah. I think has really brought us closer to the family. Um, and, I, you know, we, I was able to be transparent with them about integrity, about consequences, about um, – just, just uh, you know, dealing with uh, positive and negative press, uh, you know, all that sort of things. So, so this this situation was was a lot. It was very unique um, compared to other times when I've decided to to play and change teams because of all those different layers. But um, the the kids have been receptive, resilient. I mean, I remember we were sitting there before I kind of released my statement about everything that happened, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, we sat as a family and prayed about it and hit send. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then we, you know, we talked about it the next few days and, and you know, it's, it's, it's been a non-issue since then. So, yeah. Do you all pray with your kids a lot? Yes, we do. We yeah. do. Um, I mean, we do what a lot of people do. We pray at night, you know, before we go to bed, which sure. turns into a long prayer meeting now that we have. <laughs> five people that can actually pray. That's right. like, Y'all got to start at dinner bit, time. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit more of a commitment now to do the prayer at night than it used to be. Oh, it's um, so funny. So, so we do pray together. I mean, sometimes we pray in the car briefly before we drop them off at school, you know, things like that. Um, I try to recently during the summer, you know, we try to have a little time every day or at least every other day where we're reading a chapter, mm-hmm. you know, out of the Bible kind of sequentially you know, just to I mean, not even memorize, but kind of understand the storylines and stuff yeah. like that. So we do try to try to make it a point to pray with them corporately, but also try to tell them, hey, you know, this is something that you can do yeah, on your own. And I just love the idea that you invited them in in that yes. decision about the statement. And um, I wasn't going to bring up the suspension, but if you want, do you want to kind of explain it a little bit for people that are listening? Because your integrity really is the thing that has um, shown through in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I, yeah, Hey, listen, I've I, been your fan for forever. I knew that was you, <laughs> but really to the outside world, your integrity yeah. has, has really been vi- very visible. Yeah. I, I mean, no, I don't mind, I don't mind talking about it at all. Um, you know, I, I obviously explained everything in a statement. I mean, the, the short of it is, you know, I felt like I was done playing football and, and, and got a prescription to help heal, mm-hmm. you know, not taking advantage, but simply to, to heal from years years of abuse Serious, yeah two decades um, of getting beat up you know just 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 a, a, a health thing and um and then you know was tested you know we're still kind of in the testing process even when you're out of the league they still test you mm-hmm. and i i kind of like laughed it off like okay it's a test who cares i'm right. tired anyway you know i wasn't right. even concerned about it and then was notified that i failed um the test for bio identical testosterone mm-hmm. um in uh about about a month later. And by that point, we had kind of started talking about playing again. Um, so that was, it was hard. It was, it was, it was really hard because you went through the mental gymnastics of, man, do I want to play again? Do I not want to play? Okay, Lord, if this happens, I, I think is maybe it's from you. And yeah. then getting to the place where it's like, you know, I'm kind of excited. You know, we're, this is a new adventure for our family, new chapter. We're going to, we're going to go play, figure out where that's going to be soon. And then got that letter really you know, made me second guess mm-hmm. more than second. I mean, I'm talking about quadruple guess, like not second guess. Yeah, yeah. I really. Well, because of everything you just talked about, because of you know, I, I never had a, had a you know failed test or anything like right. that, and, and just dealing with the questions, dealing with the perception. I thought about my children, what people may say to them. Thought about my family of origin. You know, my mom and dad. I thought about really thought about all the guys who you know I've been with in the locker rooms, and I've tried to you know, live a life in front of them that was authentic, yeah, yeah. Um, not perfect, but authentic. And, and so I, I thought, you know, I just need to officially just get out of it. And that yeah. way this will go away. Right. 
but man, you know, how many of us want to do that? Listen, yes, yes. <laughs> we want to, we want to hide yes. and it makes sense and it would have made perfect sense. And honestly, yeah, no one would have blamed you. No one would have known. They would have known. And in about five weeks when we get in a training camp, I might be wishing that I did do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hot. <laughs> exactly. I'd be like, man, I should have just shut this down. But you know, I, I was able to talk to everybody that was important to me. I was able to explain exactly what happened. And honestly, the, the response that was really overwhelming to me of people like yourself and others who just supported me through it. And I mean, I really was, I was expecting the worst yeah. and it, it really, man, it, it really warmed, warmed my heart and, and really encouraged me. You know, we, we, the, there's a verse that talks about, you know, having a good name and it being more valuable than, you know, riches and gold yeah. and silver. And, you know, we don't try to have a good name to pat ourselves on the back our good name is only in his strength. Yeah, that's right. But it did reaffirm to me that it's important the type of person that you are and mm-hmm. the and the way you try to live your life and and the way that you're you're honest if you make a mistake or if you do something that's wrong even even if it's you know not intentional or mm-hmm. if it is intentional mm-hmm. you know just it, it was really affirming to me and, and that came to my mind as people reached out and just said man I, I understand you were you were done and you know. Your concept should be clear, and it is. Okay, friends, I want to take just a moment to share an amazing solution I found to pay for my medical expenses. It has been so fun recently because so many of you guys are stopping me and asking me about this. And I'm telling you the truth. You might be expecting me to say what kind of health insurance I have, but actually my solution is healthcare sharing with Samaritan Ministries. Samaritan members share healthcare directly. So each month I send my money directly to another person with a medical need. I get a notification telling me where to send my money and how I can pray for that person. I can even send them an encouraging note if I want to share my prayer for them or a verse or even an experience that the Lord brought to mind as I was thinking of them. Then when I have a medical need, the other Samaritan members will do the same for me. It's really a unique experience of the church taking care of each other's health care needs. Samaritan Ministries has been using this direct sharing method for 25 years, and now members are successfully sharing over $29 million in medical bills each month. Based off of the example of the early church, as described in Acts 2.42-47, through 47, this message has been working for, you know, over a thousand years. Today, healthcare sharing with Samaritan Ministries is a way to take care of your medical expenses while also coming together to care for others all without the use of insurance. So you can learn more at SamaritanMinistries.org slash that sounds fun. Again, that's SamaritanMinistries.org slash that sounds fun. Back to the show. You have used your platform over and over again to, I mean, you stand, you are so vocal about your faith. You're vocal about being pro-life. You're vocal about racial injustice. I mean, some of the things you've, like your Facebook statement after Ferguson, um, even, I mean, your book, you have a book under our skin about racial inequality. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to be vocal about these things that matter so much to you versus just, there's so many athletes that don't say anything. What made you decide that, that you wanted to be vocal about all this? Well, you, you know, some people can be vocal if they like to. Everybody doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a time, obviously, where we've got a lot of avenues to to speak our, our mind on different things. And that doesn't mean that everybody has to if they're not comfortable sure. with speaking about certain issues, even if those issues are important to them. Mm-hmm. Man, isn't that but, the truth? We just need to give people permission that they don't always have to say on Twitter what they to. feel. <laughs> they don't. They don't. They don't have right. to. And everybody doesn't have to give a statement about about everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, they got the freedom to be silent, silent on it if they like. You know, to an extent, I I think definitely. But uh, you know, a lot of a lot of athletes, you know, they, they feel pressure to speak on things that they that's either one, they're not that passionate about. Number two, they're not educated about. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Just because they're in the limelight, people want them to to sign off on different things. But for me, I, I think all the things that you mentioned are rooted in one simple word called justice. Mm. And, and and justice is giving people their just due. It's, yeah. it's, a, you know, it's the idea of righting wrongs. And it's the idea of holding those who have done wrong accountable. Yeah. And justice goes throughout scripture is usually coupled with another word called righteousness. Yeah. And when we look through scripture, uh, justice is, is at the heart of God. I mean, you know, I, I, I remember specifically a few years ago, I was 
reading through the book of Jeremiah. And there's a there's a verse uh, in chapter nine, verse 23, um, that says, let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that they understand and know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things. Mm. And I was reading through Jeremiah, and I don't know, that, that, that scripture just really captured my heart at that moment, because, you know, in the beginning, it talks about humility, like, okay, you're strong, but who made you strong? You're wise, but who made you wise? Yeah. The, don't boast in what you know, boast that you know me because I'm the one who provides all those things. So there's an idea of humility there, first of all. Right. And I think that that is vitally important in all the things you mentioned, the abortion issue, the r- racial injustice, uh, trafficking, uh, poverty, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. We need to enter those things with humility. But it says, I'm the Lord who exercises justice, kindness, and righteousness, for I delight in those things. And I say, you know what? I, I, I want to delight in the things that God delights in. Now, he delights in mm-hmm. a lot of things throughout Scripture. There's a lot of things, but in this verse, he talks about justice, righteousness, righteousness, and kindness. Yeah. And I don't see how you separate the two. I have a friend named you probably know him named Randy Alcorn. Randy Alcorn mm-hmm. is a, is a prolific writer, you know, author, uh, teacher, and pro life advocate. You know, yeah. He who went to jail. Yeah. Um, lost his church. I mean, a lot of things, but he talks about this seamless garment of justice. And oh, I haven't heard this. Yes, he, he talks about the seamless garment of justice. And I said, man, I'm going to use that, but I'm always going to give you credit for it. <laughs> and, and, and he says, it's kind of like, you know, we, we look at these issues, you know, whether it's after Ferguson and just the idea of what's happening um, in America from an ethnic racial standpoint, there's injustice there. But that's the same garment that covers over protecting the preborn child that is mm-hmm, innocent. Mm-hmm. And that's the same garment that covers the woman who is being sexually abused at her house or being the domestic violence or she, she's being taken advantage of. And that's the same, the same garment that covers over the child, the one of the two million children that are in the global sex trade that we've, you know, had opportunity to see parts of that. It's the same same garment. So, yeah. you know, while we all have our specific desires and places where we want to actually get involved and give of our time, our talent, our, tr- our treasure into specific issues they're all justice issues to me. And so, you know, I've, I felt like, you know, when I have an opportunity to speak about certain things or an opportunity to bring something to other people's attention, I want to do that and know everybody may not agree with me. But again, like we talked about at the beginning of, of, you know, this, this podcast, I'm 38 years old. I got seven kids and I don't care. Yeah. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So, 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 Dear everybody, so, I'm 38 years yeah, old so, and I just don't care. Exactly. I'm going to say it. Yeah. And, and, and we don't have a lot of time. You yeah. know, we're not on earth a lot of, for, for a long time. And and as long as it's something that, that I, you know, I always want to check myself because I'm a human being and we have selfish motives, mm-hmm. naturally. But I want to I be involved with things that God gives me a, you know, a passion um, and a opportunity to be involved with. Yeah. Cause I, I think especially playing at Georgia and then in some of the NFL teams you've gotten to play in, I mean, Georgia, there are a lot of white people who cheer for that football team. And so <laughs> there are a lot of white people who've been listening to you for a long time. Yeah. And, and so for you to help, and I'll speak for myself for you to help me better mm-hmm. understand the injustice that my neighbors are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, I already trusted you, you know, so you're a voice that because you played football at my college, I, I, I listened to you. And so I'm so thankful that you do that. So for example, there are a lot of really sweet white women who listen to the show. (laughs) Tell me like on a, on a daily basis, what's a, what's a good way for us to be a part of making the planet more just for our neighbors? It starts with, it starts with listening. Okay. Starts it starts with being able to listen. And, and that sounds simple, but imagine how many times we listen with our rebuttal already in our mind. Mm. Imagine how many times we turn on cable news and we see a headline and somebody on there is explaining what happened or explaining their idea and, and we already have an idea of what we think really happened and why those things happened. Yeah. So it starts off it starts off with listening 
And yes, there are a lot of white people that cheer for Georgia. There's a lot of white people in this country. This country is predominantly white. That makes sense. So you can literally go, a lot of times people are, well, you need to get some black friends or some. That may be harder than you think, depending on where you live. I got mm-hmm. a friend from Idaho who didn't see an African-American until he got to college. Oh my gosh, so, right. <laughs> and it's not, it's not his fault. Right. It's not his fault, right. you know? Um, so, but, but if you are in a place where you can have people of different backgrounds and not just ethnically, but economically, yes. be intentional mm-hmm. with those relationships because many times the only way you're going to hear another side of something is if you're outside of people that wear your same uniform Mm. and are coached by your, have the same coach. Yeah, That's the only time you're going to hear something different. So being willing to listen. And then I'll say also, we spend our time researching, reading about, discovering things that are important to us. Mm-hmm. For example, if you have children, you're listening, and you're looking at um, you know, baby magazines. You're looking at parenting magazines. You're reading about how to shepherd your, your child's heart. Yeah. You're reading about the five love languages in your marriage. You know, you're, you're discovering all those things because that's important to you. Right. There is a lot of literature written about racial injustice and the history of it in this country. Mm-hmm. We don't see it. We aren't taught it in schools. You have to make an effort to read it and understand. I had to make an effort. Mm. I went to the same schools that everybody did. There are right. certain things that I felt, but that I didn't know. I didn't understand that our, our neighborhoods are segregated, not because people just... Not because white folks just like white folks and black folks. No, that was done on purpose mm-hmm. through policies that the government enacted through laws. It was done on purpose. And it sounds ludicrous until you read about redlining and you read about the Housing Act and you read about all these things that happened, you know, many of them before, before my lifetime. Right. It's not until you read accounts of people a year ago, 10 years ago, right. and their experiences that they've had. So we're able to get our hands on a lot of information. Yeah. And so reading about something that is, may not be your experience or your perspective in your own time will help you to listen and then will help you to be a voice and advocate when people in your circle are spouting the things that you thought used to be true. Right. And just having the courage to um, to read things or watch things that make you uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I, I, there's a video right now online of prisoners getting beaten by, yes. and, and yeah, I, I did not want In to Cleveland. watch it. Yes. Yep. I was like, no, no, no. And I was like, Annie, these are the exact things you need to face. Like you need to see this injustice because this is really happening. And, yeah. and so just sometimes making yourself, I mean, it's probably true for dads who don't love reading books about raising kids or for moms who don't love yeah. reading books about people in addiction, but their neighbors in addiction, you know, like yeah. they're just opportunities for us to step in where we're uncomfortable because we're choosing to see our neighbors and love our neighbors more than we love our own comfort. Yeah. You got to understand that, you know, even when you're, un- when you're uncomfortable and then you allow that, that, um, uncomfortableness to make you act. Mm-hmm there may be a cost that you have to pay. Mm. And that cost may come in the form of relationships. I, I have, a, I have a, you know, a teammate whose wife is white and she read my book and read some other things and she had some confrontations with her family members. Oh, wow. um, eventually, you know, through God's grace, you know, things got better. But when it comes to these types of issues, it may cost you relationships for a little bit. Mm. In your church too. it may cost you it may cost you something yeah. um and so you know like just like with anything though we have to count the cost and i think and i think you know uh, another big thing is to be able to to be able to discover injustice without having guilt mm. gosh um, yeah guilt is not from above it's from it's from satan especially guilt that you didn't have anything personally to do with. Right. You don't have to feel guilty about everything. Have that move you to act. You act because there is injustice. That's why you act. Mm. Whether you did it personally or whether it's systemic and it keeps on happening, you know, that's, that's why we act. But, you know, guilt will force you not to want to confront certain things. Right. Yeah. Cause sometimes guilt will just paralyze. Yeah. 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 So to, to listen, even when you're uncomfortable, when, when you were talking about the things you have to sacrifice, I, I mean, I also think you have to sacrifice or you may lose your own comfort and you may lose some of your time because what you were going to spend your time on last year before you knew what you know now, 
You're going to mm-hmm. spend your time differently going forward. Mm-hmm. That's uh, true. Uh, we spent the summer, we did like nine episodes in a row about the Enneagram, about the personality kind of assessment. And I was sitting mm-hmm. with some college students afterwards and we were talking about, and I said, y'all understand the idea that we get to sit around and talk about our personalities is proof of privilege. Like, <laughs> like the idea that this is like, if you just need a reminder that we are privileged people, not just racially, but economically, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the fact that we're talking to God about what our calling is, is a privilege yeah, because we're is. not asking him what's for dinner. So then the, to me, you can totally correct me on this, Benjamin, but to me, when I have those realizations of the moments that what God and I get to talk about are important to me, so they're important to him, but they're also a privileged point of view reminds me that then I need to turn around and make sure I'm helping someone who is less privileged get to where their concern with God is their calling, not their next meal. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, and you realize that, okay, we're privileged, but is it your fault that you, right. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, let's go back to Jeremiah chapter nine. It says the rich don't boast of the riches. Why? Because it's not yet. God placed you in a privileged position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you believe he's sovereign, we also believe that he allowed me to be privileged Yeah. in his sovereignty. He knew this was going to happen. Yeah. So I don't have to feel guilty about my privilege. I do have to recognize it though and acknowledge it. Mm. And then move That's move the out trick, of that. isn't it? Because there's so much of the language is you should feel guilty for your privilege and you sh- and you're I'm agreeing with you that that maybe the better stance is in 2019 I recognize this exists. How can God use this to further his kingdom and to bring mm-hmm. people into flourishing lives? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, that, that's I love that. I love that because especially when we talk about ec- economic, you know, there's obviously different types of privilege, but but let's let's talk about economic privilege. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the United States, where you know we hold most of the world's wealth, and and most people aren't able to basically basically we make more than a day than what a lot of people make in their entire lives or right. the entire year, their entire year. And so, why or what should I do with this? Right. There, there are there are believers that are being persecuted physically right now that are dying. You know, th- th- there's genocide going on in Nigeria mm-hmm. with Fulani herdsmen and with Boko Haram. There's 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 underground churches in China. You know, there's there's so much going on around the world. What should I be doing with my resources right now? What should I be doing with the freedom that I have, the privilege I have right now as a believer mm-hmm. for this time to help the body in other places? Right. Um, what are some organizations that are on the ground? How can I support them? Yeah. Uh, if I can't go myself, how, how can I support them? How can I you know, discover and read about what, what's going on? Because yeah. the, the tables can turn at any moment. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> where, where, You're right. I mean, throughout throughout history, there's been kingdoms that have risen and, and fallen. There's mm-hmm. been, uh, you know, different areas of the world that have been in power, and other, you know, we don't have a monopoly on anything, right? And so there, 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 there may be a time where we need someone in Nigeria to reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's definitely possible. So you're right. You're right, though. You know, we should we should acknowledge it and then say, okay, how can I use that? to further the kingdom. Man, that's a beautiful, you're helping me reframe in my mind how, how to, um, almost like how lucky are we not to be privileged necessarily economically, racially, even gender equal, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's not, we're lucky to be privileged so that we can have so many things, but oh man, what can we do to help those who aren't? How lucky am I that God chose me to be in this spot so that we can help people who aren't? Yeah. So, so we have to, you know, the, the hardest thing to do is to look at things with a biblical lens when we're surrounded by secularism. Yeah. You could preach this too. When do you start a church, Benjamin Watson? (laughs) When are you going to be getting preaching? Cause you're doing it today. I mean, and, and, and and that even goes to like terminology, Mm. you know, so, so, so even, you know, terms like, like privilege and what's the connotation behind them? What, what, what kind of, what does that evoke in you? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you have the the, the word privilege and you watch it from certain angles on certain news networks, then it's used to make people rail against it and say that people are attacking them for it, for being that. And then when you look on the other side, you know, they're trying to evoke a different response when you use the word privilege. So mm-hmm. like, okay, f- from as a believer, what does that mean to be privileged? That's kind of what we're talking about. And, and that's what I always 
you know, try to bring myself back to because I, I get really upset. Another thing I would say, you know, when we went back to kind of discovering um, and reading is the more you read, the more you'll get upset. Yeah. And I've had to be careful because I don't want to be consumed with a lot of stuff that I, I know I don't have a magic wand to fix right now and I can't sure. go back and fix things sure. and I can't go forward and fix things. And there's going to be some injustice because it's a fallen world in Genesis chapter three, like the world's fallen. Mm-hmm. This is what we have to deal with. So mm-hmm. there's going to be some, we try to, we try to correct as much as we can, but it's a fallen world that is going to operate as such until the second coming. So yeah. you have to have that type of perspective. And so you have to be careful and you have to be, you know, as they say, pray, prayed up, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, and, and how to not lash out in, in anger yeah. at entire groups of people and individuals because of, you know, stuff that you, you see, Yeah. because, because the, the sin is ugly. Sin, mm. sin is, it's ugly. And it, it is evident in everything. And it is, it is, it, you know, you see it throughout, not just our history in the United States, but throughout the history of the world. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of prayed up, Benjamin Watson, tell me as we're, this has me thinking about 1 million things, but I also want to honor your time and there's a moving truck coming. Tell me our Actually, friends. I think they just pulled up. Oh my gosh. Okay. We're so almost done. <laughs> we're going to do three more questions and then I'm going to leave you to go deal with that. Unless you need to go right now. Do you need to go? No, I don't need to go right now. Okay. We're talking away coming. They're a little early. Okay. You just hang up on me if you need to. We're still going to be friends. We're going to survive this. Um, uh, yeah, now, speaking of being prayed up, I just would love for you. One of the best things about our friends who are listening on this podcast is, is when you become my friend, you become our friend. And everybody's going to be in. You're our new favorite NFL player in the world. Um, <laughs> what do you want people to pray for you and your family when they see you on TV and they go, oh, my gosh, I yeah. know Benjamin Watson. He's friends with Annie or, you know, oh, I love that guy. What do you want them to pray for you and Kirsten and the kids? Um, the number one thing I, I want people to pray for us is that our number one desire is to grow closer to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, by being in his word, by making time with him a priority in a very, very busy time, making that a priority um, individually as well as as a unit. That's what, for us, for me, that's what allows me to put everything in perspective. When I'm not worshiping and I'm not reading and I'm filling my time with other very important things, but just not making time for the most important thing, Mm. stuff gets out of whack. Um, We were arguing um, you know, we're about to hit 14 years. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Well which, done. Which is, which is, which is it's, it's good. That's I like mean, a teenager. You know, it, Your marriage is yeah, an actual exactly. teenager. <laughs> yeah, I'm a teenager now. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 40 yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I got ways to go, but you know, we're, 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 we're moving right along. So, awesome. you know, everything gets out of whack, how we deal with the kids, how we communicate to them, how we discipline them, you know, that all gets out of whack when, when we're not in the word and I'm getting prideful. So yeah. that, that would be the number one thing. Secondly, you know, marriage, marriage, mm. um, our marriage, our relationship. And, and obviously, you know, I play a very dangerous game. Yeah. And it is a joy to play, but it is treacherous. And I've had several injuries and all those sorts of things. So I always ask for prayer for, you know, physical protection. Yeah. Um, as well as, you know, that Lord God and protect my heart as well. Yeah. We will do that. That would be our pleasure to pray with you through those things. Thank you. Thank you for doing this and for making time and for just answering. Honestly, it is such a um, joy to have friends that you can ask real questions to and, and everybody's listening to everybody. And so I'm, I'm just really thankful for your voice here today, but just your voice in general online right now and, and the ways you're leading. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. Well, Always of course. Good to talk to a bulldog. I know. Let's go, dogs. Is this uh, our year? Yeah. Is this our year? I don't know. Every year is our year. Every year is our year. That is this, what I but feel. Maybe this year is our year, our year. Every year, I think they're going to be different. And every year, they do the same thing to me. And then I come back. I just ask for it over you, and over again. You have, again. To. Yeah. You have I mean, to. I bleed red and Where black. else are you going to go? Where, like, where else would I go? That's exactly we are, right. We are, we are too invested. That's this right. Is it. We're going to ride or die with Okay. So the last question we always ask because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what sounds fun to you. I don't know if I can say that on air. <laughs> okay. Pick a... <laughs> I, I'm excited <laughs> to know, but pick, a, um, pick one that is okay if all the children are in the back of the van listening. Uh, 
That's what funny. Sounds fun to me? I think what sounds fun is you can tell I'm an athlete winning. Winning yeah. sounds fun. Winning is fun. Winning is winning. Fun. Winning championships is fun. <laughs> trying to, I haven't done it much, but I'm trying to win championships. Okay, <laughs> that, so that, winning that, a championship that sounds fun. I've just never wanted the Patriots to win a championship because I'm a Falcons girl, but now I care. You've done it. You've converted at least one of us to hope that that New England has a championship because you're there. I appreciate that. So, and you know what? That's huge. That's huge for you. I know. I, it's that, a big that, deal. That means a, lot. that means a whole lot to me. <laughs> okay, good. The, the, good, the, the good thing, though, is that at least they're in the AFC and the Falcons are in the NFC. So Yeah. It'll be a long see. time until yeah, we have yeah, to really we're, worry. We're not, yeah. Well, I'm saying we're not, we don't play each other in the regular season. Right. So you, you could definitely you know root for us. And it wouldn't be like a, a, you know, at the cost of the Falcons. That's so right. That's, Until we get to the Super Bowl and it's y'all versus exactly. us again. Exactly. And that then, that was a hard day for me. I had my Deion Sanders jersey on. I was oh, ready. Oh, man. And it was. Oh, man. But see, then you got to do like my aunt does. My aunt's a big Cowboys fan. Every time I play the Cowboys, she says, Benjamin, I hope you do well. But go Cowboys. <laughs> So you, so you can do that and okay. that'll be fine. Till we get, if we get to the Super Bowl, when we both get to the Super Bowl, that is what I'll say. <laughs> oh, friends, don't you love him? Isn't he the best? I know. Literally, the Twitter thing is no joke. I tweeted him. I mean, I'm just using Twitter. That's how we got Chef Corey Barrett. That's how we got Benjamin Watson. I'm just using Twitter to make new friends, you guys. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Hey, listen, we hung up from our call and I jumped on Amazon. I ordered a copy of his book, Under Our Skin, Getting Real About Race, Getting Free from the Fears and Frustrations that Divide Us. It's a couple of years old, but I'm really looking forward to reading it. And I hope you will grab a copy as well. I feel like it's a great book from a friend that we already love. So make sure you grab a copy of that. Also for you people who are parents, he also has a great book for dads called New Dad's Playbook. And listen, if there's ever an expert, it's this guy, right? So make sure you grab a copy of that as well. And you should follow him on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. He is such a great follow for a million reasons, mainly because he's a Georgia Bulldog, right? Am I right? Let's go dogs. Let's go dogs. Let's win that national championship. And make sure this year, as you are watching the New England Patriots, if they come to your town, if you are a Pats fan and you go to a lot of games, make sure you cheer extra loud for our friend Benjamin. Hey, if you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. You know it. Annie F. Downs all over the place today. F is for football because we are cheering for Benjamin Watson. And you know I love sports. So um, you know we're going to have sports people on here as much as I can. Annie F. Downs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places. That is how you can find me. And I think that's it for today. So go out and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. And we will see you back here on Monday. Y'all have a great weekend.